Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's like bringing back the dead, mm-hmm. cooking next to mild, because what it does is it takes a dried corn that can be harvested and stored, right? Mm-hmm. And it could be there for a year. And then you take this corn, you cook it in a mixture of gall and water, and you cook it for a little bit. Then you stop the cooking process and you just let it steep, steep, steep overnight. The next morning, you rinse it off and you grind it and it. Now the corn is biodiverse. Now your body can break down and get the nutrients out of it, you know. Welcome to The More You Know, The Better It Tastes, where we explore the backstory to some of the best restaurants and chefs in South Texas. Today on the podcast, Paul Morales, chef and owner of Ancient Heirloom Grain Tortillas. And now here's your host from San Antonio Restaurants, Alan Williams and Susie Lafredo. Hey guys, today on The More You Know, The Better It Tastes, we have Mr. Paul Morales of Ancient Heirloom Grains Tortillas. This is going to be so interesting. He's a mad scientist. He knows how to, he knows all about tortillas and what makes a good one. So this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited to learn. Me too. So really quickly, before we get started, I have to say, um, first of all, we're so excited to be in our new podcast studio. This is so beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's the Peachtree Rose Marketing Podcast Studio um, in the Venture X Northwest building. They do such an amazing job for us. I mean, guys, if, if, if we're able to give you a tour and you're able to see this podcast studio, you guys would be blown away. <laughs> it is beautiful. So true. Uh, yeah. So we, I just wanted to give them a shout out because we are so excited to be, to yeah, be here. It, it, it's, it's a great place to be and Absolutely. we're very thankful for them. Yes. All right. Great. So Chef Paul Morales, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. Ah, great. So I, I want to hear your whole story. You know, the name of our podcast is The More You Know, The Better It Tastes because we want to know your backstory. So then we'll know all about the tortillas that you're making. And uh, so it just makes it more interesting and, and, and people are, are wanting to know. People want yeah, to know. definitely. So we can tell a lot of your story based on the tattoos on your arm <laughs> because I see that uh, I know that you've been a butcher in your past and mm-hmm. now you're all about corn. Yes. So uh, that's so cool. So it's, it's a weird me. transition, right? From going from <laughs> working in a, a room that's 40 degrees all day and then transitioning from that to a chef to work into a kitchen where it's like 100 degrees in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, now I'm making tortillas, which is really, really fun. And it's something that I never thought I would have ended up doing, but it kind of just happened out of necessity, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Are you from San Antonio? I'm from San Antonio, born and raised here. Uh, yeah. Raised on Could the you push that mic side. a little bit closer to you? There right, you go. Perfect. perfect. Born and raised on the southeast side of San Antonio. Uh-huh. Um, See, I, I'm a local boy, so yeah. I, it's my funny because uh, my grandfather owned a meat company in San Antonio called High Grade Meat Company, and he founded it after he got out of World War II. And um, for a while, he was pretty big 
pretty big company because it, this was like before Cisco and Benny Keith and those big box chain companies. So, and it also allowed me to really know a lot about Tex-Mex cuisine and like, cause he serviced all the little Mexican restaurants at the time. Mm-hmm. And He'd uh, prepare the meat for them and deliver. Yeah, so, you know, it'd be a lot of like a stew meat, which is carne guisada meat. Mm-hmm. It'd be like a lot of- uh, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck, ground, ground meat for picadillo and, you know, and then chicken and different kinds of things we also had. Um, but yeah, and then we also sold cheese. So the Longhorn cheese, you know, I don't know, at some point, like think in the 90s, it kind of switched from good Longhorn cheese to like that Easy Melt cheese. Like you get yeah. a beer cheese. Mm-hmm, right. so yeah. It's kind of divided. Some people they are like, well, the other cheese is too oily. Well, yeah, but it's good though. And it makes it, you know. So yeah. It, Cheesy and melty. I, I'm and, glad you yeah. brought that up. I have a recipe. My mother's gone. Uh, but I have her recipe for enchiladas, and it calls for longhorn cheese, oh, it makes... and it's very difficult to find in the stores. Well, you can get it, and I don't—I really didn't know the difference. So, what does that mean? The longhorn cheese is from a different variety of, of cow, so it's the longhorn. So, um, you have oh, it that... actually comes from a longhorn. I yeah, I so had no idea. You have the uh, you have the uh, you know the different types of, uh, but it's just a. It was an older. I just remember it just being a very big red rind cheese, and we always had to cut it, and it was came in a big circle like that so you could either get a half moon or like a quarter of that and it was but you know that was the cheese that was my go-to you know bean and cheese you know growing up hispanic in san antonio bean and cheese is a very Mm -hmm. staple like it was breakfast every day it was a snack it was you know that and crispy dogs right (laughs) (laughs) right but but you're making a comeback (laughs) yeah i know i know i saw that that's awesome so you were gonna say so where where can you find the longhorn cheese now oh i i found it at alamo farms they had some okay alamo Alamo farms has some good stuff i got my whenever i do cabrito de chivo or i do birria de chivo or i do you can get duck you can get rabbit there it's good local stuff too. Wow! Wow! I'll have to write that down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I'm starting a new company. Um, it's called La Cura, which is uh, means the cure, and it's gonna be like artisanal charcuterie for, oh. with uh, classical French techniques, but South Texas Tex-Mex flavor profiles. So you'll be making these charcuterie boards, or you're selling it to people that make charcuterie boards? I will boards? be making the... I'm going to stay away from whole muscle cures because I don't have the space for it. You know, you have to let a, a ham, you know, cure for at least, you know, eight months up to two years, depending. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to focus mostly on fresh sausages, terrines, uh, and I love making pot, uh, pâtés and uh, mousses, liver mousses and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's going to be classical French... Technique, but with South Texas flavor profiles. So. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. That sounds amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, so we got to go back and learn about your. I about, know. <laughs> we need another tour. I'm, I'm slowly so. trying to get out of the kitchen and move into more of the manufacturing side. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, now I'm doing the tortillas. I still own, you know, Tacos Kukui Catering Company, but I'm very selective about the jobs I take. Mm-hmm. Nothing too big because of the whole labor situation. It's kind of hard to. To get consistently sure. good help, especially on the the, cali- the quality of caliber that we do, it really yeah. detail. So your so your dad, um, so so he was a he was a butcher. Well, and, you oh, you no. said your grandfather. So that, or grandfather. your grandfather. My grandfather, so, my dad, my uncles. Wow. We come from family of meat. So, so that's because so that's kind of where you, how you, how you ended up in that. Yeah, I kind of was rebelling, and my rebe- way of rebelling was to get out of the cooler and get into the kitchen, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was still food, <laughs> right? And then um, you know, so I really got, and then. I fell in love with charcuterie, you know, Chef Steve McHugh from mm-hmm. Cured and Landrace, he's one of my, my mentors, and 
he still buys tortillas for me today. He serves them at Land Race and at Cured. And, um, but he really turned me on to like buying uh, butchery, like charcuterie work and like breaking down the whole hogs and, you know, stuffing trotters and doing a very laborsome. Some of these things take a week to make. I mean, it's just, it's just so much. But when you, the feeling that you get from after doing some sort of difficult technique and it comes out just the way you want it and mm-hmm. you put a, you know, you put an inlay in there and you want it to sit just right and you have to, you just put it in there and you pray that it comes out because really there's nothing you can do. So. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you slice into it, you get that first slice and it's perfect. And you're like, oh, you thank the kitchen gods. Really thank you. You know, it's so fun. Yeah. But it's something that, you know, it was, it was a passion. It was weird, though, because, you know, I had to walk away from the, the coolers and then I got directed right back to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because, I, you know, I did have the, the aptitude for it because, right. you know, I grew up in a meat locker, so... You know, I was lucky. I was one of the kids that got to actually punch the meat, like in Rocky and right, all that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, so how did? When did you first leave the the butcher business? Um, I never really left per se. I just kind of focused on. Um, I wanted to. I really got into French French cooking when I went to culinary school, and I kind of fell in and love. And where with did it. you go to culinary school at? Actually, here in San Antonio, I was the very first. We were the very first class of the Art Institute San Antonio. Wow. This was Great. back in, I think, 2010. And that's right here on 10, isn't it? Yeah, Not that's too right far from the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember because we did the uh, South Texas Heritage Pork. They put on that fine swine event. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was AI, CIA, St. Phillips. And we had a, each of us got a whole, a whole pog. And then we had to, they said, okay, do what you want with it. So we ended up winning. It was it was awesome, and then that's how I got connected with Chef Steve McHugh. He was one of the mm-hmm. he was one of the judges. Steve McHugh, Michael Sohaki, Jason Dady, uh, David Gilbert, and then they had an international chef there, Chef McDang. He was a real popular chef out of uh, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! He was a friend of uh, Mark and uh, Kelly. So they, he came out, and uh, it was so fun. And we just spent the day out on the farm, and we got to cook, and we did this huge <clears throat> presentation. It was like a a table that we drew, we drew this on. Mm-hmm. The pig a, and the we, tattoo. He's got a tattoo of a of a hog right, and numbered, it's, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's broken yeah, down. Yeah. So yeah. we put the actual shoulder. We put the actual whatever it was on the piece in the pig from wow. where it came from. Right. So you know, I did a head cheese, so we put it on the head. We did a a loin, so it was over oh, here, wow. and it was like you know, it was it was really Very, really yeah. rad. <laughs> it, you know, it's so it's so amazing how, um, and it, of course it's how it is. But you know how good chefs are such artists. You know, I mean, really, you, I mean, you're, you're such artists in everything that you do and put together. And that's kind of an example of, you know, coming up with this creative idea. Oh, definitely. And, and People eat with their eyes before yes, their Yes, absolutely. You know? yeah. It has to be appeasing. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, I kind of like really appreciate my time that I spent in California because it really, um, the variety of ingredients that you can get out there in the seasons, the produce out there is so phenomenal. But, you know, you have to learn to use nature as a, basically as a color, as a palette, you know, mm-hmm. for your plate. So, and then you have contrasts of color to texture to temperature. It's all like a dance, you know. Right. Wow. And then, and then taking that bite and getting all of those. The perfect thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the perfect bite. Uh. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so tell me about, 
We're here today to talk about your product that you sell mostly at the Pearl Farmers Market. Yes. And then also online, mm -hmm. your ancient heirloom grain tortillas. Yes. And so that's what we want to learn about today. Uh, I went out to, you use the colonial, uh, what is it, how, do, how, how is it called? It's, it's not a Molina. It's a, yeah, it's a Molina. Okay. Molino. Molino. Okay. I a Molino is technically like the the actual tool where you're grinding okay yeah, so you use use the the their building their factory to get your tortillas and it was just i was just so interested and so amazed and and so oh we want to learn about mm -hmm. that how did you end up getting into that i mean you can go to h-e-b and buy a tortilla so why did you decide you needed to do something different well that's it was one of these things it was out of desperation because when i lost i was had a very good job when i was working out in los angeles i was you know, working for UCLA and US, USC. So I had a very good schedule. And and then when the pandemic came, the first thing they did was they shut down all the schools. You know, everybody mm -hmm. went to online learning yes. and, mm -hmm. you know, people were freaking out. And I was like, so we were the first ones to get laid off. So we were, I was out of a job. So I was like, I was like, oh my goodness. And had, luckily I had, my lease was up in K-Town. I had just finished my lease so I could, so we and my daughter, we decided to move back to Texas because it's cheaper to be unemployed in Texas than it is in Los Angeles. I'm sure, yeah. So um, I came back here, and then I I noticed, oh, man, everybody, all the restaurants are being closed, but food trucks are okay. So I bought a food truck, and then one of those decisions I didn't really think through, I didn't really, I thought, oh, well, I'll be able to just pull it. I'll borrow one of my brother's trucks or something like that. And it turns out I bought, like, this huge, huge trailer that requires like a 2,500 or a 3,500 engine <laughs> to move. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to ruin your transmission. So I had to, you know, I couldn't move as much as I wanted to. And mm -hmm. then, so I finally found a place to park it over at the co-op with Chef Stevie and them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I'm good to go there. And then, and then I just, um, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, about how, how, how... Oh, how did I start with the tortilla? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so then now I started, okay, now I'm going to do, do my tacos things. So I started Tacos Kukui, and when I got out here, I couldn't find the same kind of caliber of tortillas that I got used to from, from L.A. There's this company out in L.A. called uh, uh, Kernel of Truth Organics. And when I had those tortillas, I used to go every, every Saturday to the farmer's market in, in Hollywood, and I would get these tortillas, and I was like, oh, my God, how, how have I never tasted tortillas? These are not how they taste at home. Like, what, what's different? So I did some investigating, and I found out, oh, this guy is using heirloom scenes from Mexico. He's grinding it. He's cooking it and grinding it himself. So I was like, that's why these, these, these tortillas are so good. So when I got here, I couldn't find – I found some people that were actually doing next to mall, but it wasn't the good corn. And then a lot of these places, they just, these Molinos in San Antonio, they're not really next to all. They're just big mixers in the back. They're just adding water to mm -hmm. flour, you know, right. and, and they're, yes, they're fresh pressed and yes, they're, you know, but it's it's still not the same it's as not the same. fresh 100% next to all. Because a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll mix some next to all with some that is not next to all to kind of extend it to, you know, mm -hmm. to get. Mm -hmm. But that's further. why when you look at my tortillas and if you guys see them, you can see little pieces of corn the, in there. Right. You can yes, see you that, can. you know, it, yep. this is stone ground. This is mm -hmm. high quality. Mm -hmm. So so I couldn't find anything. So I was trying to find somebody to see if I could partner up with to, to help me out to get these tortillas. And, then, and it was hard, too, because... You know, even though I'm from here and I, I'm, you know, I'm Mexicano, but I'm, I don't speak 100% fluent Spanish. So right. um, Raymundo and his family, they're from Monterrey. So they're like, 
you know, full on fully. And, I, and at first we couldn't and, even. And they're really, the owners of Colonial. Yeah, the owners of Colonial. He's my, that guy right there, he's, he is a Nixta master. He, to learn what I've learned from him, I mean, still they do most of the heavy lifting. I, I'm more of like marketing now, but these guys, the way that they make these tortillas, you, there's no way. It would take me 30 years to learn how to, to do what these so guys the do. So the Nixtamal process, let's talk about that a little bit. There is no GMOs, no no preservatives, nothing. A Nixtamal process, you're taking, you're grinding corn, you're adding water and a touch of lime. Was it called slate? Slack line? Slack, slack line, it's, yeah. It's calcium, yeah. calcium hydroxide it, or something. Just a touch of that to, to get a little bit of preservative to it probably. But. Well, we add a little bit at the end when we tumble the, the masa because uh-huh. the masa needs to be kneaded because the knot is too it tacky. Is pure, it's pure, yeah, doesn't no. have any and, and junk the, in and it. And the ka the that we use is, is an actual, it's a natural preservative. It's not something that's man-made. This is something right. that... Back in the ancient time, instead of using that, they would sometimes use um, ash, wooden ash, mm-hmm. or or they would grind uh, seashells. Huh. Yeah, it's weird stuff, and it's yeah. different. That the whole evolution of the name, and and it's like, how did that even happen? Like, how did yeah. how why did, did they one think, right. oh, let's take some yeah, seashells? Work, right. Yeah, and the most things happen. You know, <laughs> yeah. we notice things in nature, and then we've kind of figured out on our own, but like, who's cooking corn? Like, do, the process of of doing this is, and I I love. It's like bringing back the dead, mm-hmm. cooking next to mile. Because what it does is it takes a dried corn that can be harvested and stored, right? Mm-hmm. And it could be there for a year. And then you take this corn, you cook it in a mixture of gal and water, and you cook it for a little bit. Then you stop the cooking process and you just let it steep, steep, steep overnight. The next morning, you rinse it off and you grind it and it. Now the corn is biodiverse. Now your body can break down and get the nutrients out of it. You know, it's it's so the story of yeah. Nixtamal. It's an ancient and it really changed history because up until that time it was more of like a follow the food situation. You know, yeah, we're gonna chase the buffalo or we're gonna go to where you know. And then we didn't. So that it was a lot of nomadic moving, but sure. mm-hmm. but allowing the uh, the agriculture and and not only that to be able because. When the the colonizers came to the United States, or you know, back in the 1500s or whenever mm-hmm. it was, they took corn back to Europe, but they didn't take they didn't take time to learn the process of nixtamal. So they brought it over there with, oh look, you don't need you don't need uh, anything else except this corn. So they started feeding the people corn out there, and then they started dying because they didn't learn nixtamal. So your body can't extract the niacin out of the corn unless you nixtamal. Wow. And what's funny is because I'm a big time, I love vampire lore. Like I read all that Anne Rice's <laughs> books as a kid. Right. But there's a direct link to where how that's how the legends of vampires started because when people get this plugra, this disease, it makes you really pale. It makes you bleed easy and you lose blood. So they kind of spin that into like vampirism right, somehow right, right. In, yeah. from, in Europe. It's so cool. I read about that. But Interesting. But yeah, you can take this this dead seed and bring it back to life and then- when you mix corn with beans or squash, the mixture of those create a perfect, a perfect protein, just like meat. So it allows you wow. to be to sustain life without meat. So wow. it's pretty cool. That is wow. really cool. I mean, it, it's first of all such an interesting process, but like you said, it's really 
I mean, rolling back all the way to um, ancient times. Thousands when, of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. same way for 3,000 years. Exactly. And to have tortillas. Exact, yes, and to, to have that process, um, I don't know, it, to be a part of that and, and, and trying to bring this out for, for people to actually have them and try them. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. I have I have some at home. Um, so I'm when I, soon, <laughs> I as soon as I get home I'm going <laughs> to Yeah, it's, it's so wait. it's it's you know, to me it was, you know, of course I'm, I tend to be dramatic and whatnot, but it's life-changing when I had a really really good corn tortilla. And especially if you have it very simple with just some very modest but well-made beans. Beans and corn go together so well. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the the taste, it's it's so good. I mean, you know, the way that they, you can coax so many flavors out of such simple ingredients is, is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you so you sell your um, tortillas. I know that you're at the farmer's market. And I mean, at the farmer's market, I mean, you have, um, how, you know, scratch-made salsas and all mm-hmm. kinds of things there. Mm-hmm. But you also have a website where people can order um, the tortillas as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm, right? I'm trying to really, well, you know, we and my, when I started this company, it was like, it was a very, it was a pandemic company. You know, we didn't really know what we were doing. I've been in the kitchen most, you know, most of my life. And I never knew how to own a restaurant or own, a, you know, my own thing. I used would work for people. So I was kind of like feeling it out as I was going. But, but yeah, it's a, I'm trying. So when we built our website, it was just me and my wife. Like mm-hmm. she's the one that built it. So, right, right. <laughs> so we're trying to promote it and we're trying to get it a little bit better and, and uh, more accessible to, and easier for people to use. But I would really like to, you know, build this brand and, you know, not just be in San Antonio, but being, you know, right. be a part of the whole culture. Yeah. And I, I love that, you know, so, you know, you had this experience in California trying these, you know, these tortillas and thinking, what in the world? How, how have I not had this? You know, that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I love that you're bringing that home, you know. Yeah, I want everybody, to, I think everybody should have the opportunity to taste a really well-made tortilla. And, you know, even when we fry them up for chips, I mean, you can tell the difference. I can tell the difference between the chips, like, that are made out of that types of corn mm-hmm. versus, like, the regular, like, you know, like the uh, Julio's or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. But, uh, which I love, by the way. I love Julio's. Yeah, Shout yeah, out yeah, to Julio. yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a noble ingredient, you know, and it's, you know, it's it's hard for me not to be romantic about corn, you know, especially, you know, being now in, in the – and like my concept is tacos kukui. I believe that to order, in order to have a great taco, it starts from the foundation. You have to have a good tortilla. Mm-hmm. So with your tacos kukui, do you only use these uh, ancient Ireland corn mm-hmm. tortillas? Yep, okay. I only use it. And, I'm, and I, as far as I know, I'm the only guy that can that may, is producing these types of these colors, the varietals that I use, and then also the size because I do them up to. 13 inches. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, those are like our talayudas, but, or you can fold them over to make quesadillas or mm-hmm. mulitas. Or there's a thousand different names. So wow. starting from the dead seed all the way to having your, you know, the corn tortilla in front of you, how long is that process? Um, it takes like a minimum of at least a day because you have to cook it and you have to let it steep for at least, you know, 12 to 18 right. hours. And then after that, you grind it. And then those guys on the scale that they're doing over there is like we can cook, we can cook about a whole a whole. It's a huge. He'll tell you mm-hmm. it's a huge trough, and when the corn it grows in size, obviously mm-hmm. right, and it absorbs mm-hmm. the water. Right. So this thing will will fill up, and it's a, at least five hundred pounds. And these little these guys can get out there, and I couldn't do it. I'm too tall. 
because it gets kind of lower mm-hmm. and it's a lot of bending over. So it's it's short. It's better if you're a short guy. But these guys can grind that whole thing in like two and a half hours. Wow. And it's impressive. I'm like, oh, my God. And weigh it and put them in like because the way they keep track is they do it by pound. Right. So they have to weigh it and, you know, however many kilos per, per, per bote. And then they push it and then it's it's crazy but these guys and, and they're making millions of tortillas a week wow millions i mean because you think those little small ones mm-hmm. those little ones that, that's their best seller they're known for those because um well the the flavor of fresh nix tamales is second to none i mean that's how the best and if you look at any if you and it's funny because if you look at any of the the winners of any taco competitions in san antonio or surrounding san antonio Nine out of ten get their tortillas from Raymundo. Wow. Well, I mean, speaking of taco competitions, we understand that you actually won um, a taco competition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so interesting. Tell the story just because I, it, it's so unique because, like you said, you know, you have all these barbacoa and all kinds of Yeah, it was a little controversial at the time. Um, we won. It wasn't a vegan taco because it had cheese, but it was definitely a vegetarian taco. And, uh, we, yeah, we won. And it was – I was very – because of the judges, because we have, you know, Jose Ralat, which is the taco editor for Texas Monthly. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's the big dog. He literally wrote the book on tacos. Like, literally. He, I have an autographed copy. But um, he uh, he was a judge. And then we had the the taco ambassador, Eat Meagles guy, that Chris mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some pretty good judges there that I, that I respected, you know. And to be chosen by them over being... And we had guys like from Austin that were doing like trompos of like asada and like you had barbacoa and of course you know all the the usual suspects of taco competition. So I'm definitely gonna have to bring it this year. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. So t- so to explain what what was in it because you you talked a little bit about it and it sounded so good. Yes. Yeah, so it was a stuffed squash blossom. So I get these really beautiful stuffed st- um, squash blossoms from my friend uh, Jamie Gonzalez over at. Uh, big state produce and I stuff them with a mixture of poblanos, garlic, onion, Oaxaca cheese and cream cheese mm-hmm. and you kind of like just make a mixture of that, let it chill so where you can mold it and then you kind of stuff it's painstaking but it looks so beautiful when you stuff that squash with the cheese and then we made a batter, a tempura batter mm-hmm. out of a of the uh, nixtamalized blue blue corn flour mm, wow. and cornstarch, and we kind of made a batter. Then we fried it, and then we put it on our, of course, our beautiful pink tortillas. And then we it had, I like to do dueling sauces sometimes. So I have like a avocado creme, uh, avocado salsa, which is more tangy than mm-hmm. than pica. And then I followed that with um, a smoked pecan salsa, which wow. is an arbol, and it's arbol and chili piquín. Wow! And, and that one is a that one's a a, a hot one. <laughs> okay, we're ready to we're ready to be invited to have to try. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. Well, Susie, once again, we're uh, starting to get hungry. You were just I talking know. about we we come here and talk on these podcasts about food and and uh, I, I'm like drooling over here. Yeah, <laughs> leave, leave here starving. I know, right? but uh, but let's take uh, a minute right now and we can go to break and we'll come right back. That sounds great. San Antonio Restaurants has created an ultimate foodie cruise taking place February 2024 on the magnificent Virgin Voyages Scarlet Lady cruise ship out of Miami. We have partnered with the Tiki Travel Planner LLC for all the logistics and they have some huge discounts just for us. The link to the foodie cruise is on the San Antonio Restaurants Facebook page 
or message Alan directly. And we are back today. We have Chef Paul Morales. Should I call you Chef? Because you're not chefing anymore, but you earned that chef degree. Yeah, Chef. Or chef. Everybody, my friends call me Polly. Polly. Yeah. All right. And and you own a couple. You own Tacos Kokoi, which is a catering company to bring tacos, the best tacos, to your to your office or to home, wherever your your gathering is. And you also do the ancient heirloom grains tortillas, which you sell at the Pearl Farmers Market and also online. And these are different tortillas than anybody else in San Antonio has. And so I, I kind of wanted to go through the, your name, Ancient Heirloom Grains Tortillas. Ancient, you, why are you throwing the name Ancient in there? I, I think it, it helps the story and it helps me kind of market it better because Nixtamal is an ancient technology. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it changed, like we spoke about, it, it changed the landscape of all the Americas. So, and plus, it sounds really cool, I think. It does. <laughs> yeah. It sure does. Although it, it, it does, it's sometimes like when people at the farmer's market, they come up to me and they're like, oh, what grains or what grains? Because technically, you know, corn, when it's dried, is a grain, but it's technically a, a, a fruit, you know what I mean, or mm-hmm. vegetable. Once so, you revive it. Yeah, but... um so sometimes people think it's like a, I have wheat or bulgur or like these exotic. And I, no, it's just corn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's sometimes it could be a little uh, confusing. And that was another mistake that, you know, one of the things I learned after the fact, you know, and, and try putting that in a web, you know, my, my, my web, my web uh, email address is like, yeah, I'm characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I, sh- I should have sh- shown something smaller, but yeah. Well, okay. Heirloom. What does that actually mean? So heirloom is this, is a heirloom varietal or a land race seed. It's something that can be uh, traced back through genealogy, through um, for it being like an uncompromised uh, specimen of that whatever it is. You know, you have your like you know your grape varietals, which determine different kinds of wines you can make and blends. Same thing with this. It's like, and Mexico is a very very. They take that. Very seriously, because corn to them is so important mm-hmm. uh, to their identity and, and and their place in the world. So, in Mexico is one of the only countries I think that it's like illegal to have like um, the GMO seeds and, wow. and and stuff like that there or to produce. You know, sometimes people ask me like, if I take some seeds, can I, can I grow them here? And I'm I'm sure you can, but they're still gonna mix with all the other stuff in here. You know, through the pollination and all that. So, it's yeah. not gonna truly be you know. So if if I go to the grocery store here, most of the produce comes from Mexico. So I'm going to probably get corn from Mexico, but but you're saying that that's not quite the same. Yeah, well the the what they regulate those they regulate those crops like like the way that the AOC does for wine varietals. So they take it very seriously, you know. Yeah. So how many how many um types of corn are there? Oh, there's so many, and they're so beautiful. And and I've seen, I've had corn that have has been so vibrant, purple, greens. Um, but yeah, they're all just wow. different. It's funny because corn started in its very ancient form. It was like a, I forget what it. It's so funny because like when I go to UTSA to do those, when we do things with UTSA, I have these students that come and they're like majors of of like the history of all that, and they can tell me about like. How corn started out, it was like a little, like a little baby cob, and it only had like four or five little, and that eventually evolved into the corn. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so interesting wow. the whole you know, the mm-hmm. way that you know. And the, does that have does that um, 
is, is there a distinguished difference in flavor um, depending on the the color or the type of corn? Usually, usually I would say in like when I when I if I cook red or blue corn or green corn when we cook it and after you put the gall in it, it's they all going to taste pretty much the same. Right. It's just the color that you're going to get different. But there are some super, super tasters that can taste. And in my experience, the pinks that I use, they're when you open the bag, they they smell very floral, and they smell. And when you put them on the comal, they almost smell like a, a raisin. Wow. Yeah, and I love to use uh, the pinks for my vegetarian tacos. I do a really good a uh, uh, beet al pastor. So it's basically like a a beet. Wow. Beet al pastor. So it's like the same sauce that you would use for the pork, but we just put it on the beet. Wow. Uh, we marinate it in it, we flash fry it, and then we toss it in it again, and then that's the base. And then we add um, fried corn for texture because it's very soft, mm-hmm. so you need some texture in there. Put a little bit of greens in there with some acid. Okay, this is another one I need to try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you when you buy uh, the ancient heirloom grain tortillas, they are vacuum sealed. Mm-hmm. And you need to use them pretty quick or put them in the freezer because there's really no preservatives in there. Yeah, it's just like fresh bread. So mm-hmm. like when you go to a higher-end bakery and you buy a loaf of bread, a baguette, you got less than a day on. The thing's mm-hmm. going to get hard within 10 hours. Yeah. Um, a loaf will last you about a week. The same thing with my tortillas. They're not going to, unless you manhandle them a lot, they're not going to mold. As long as you try not to touch them too much, um, keep them in the fridge, they'll last. They'll last at least a week. But after that, I would say maybe just use them for migas, cut them up or fry them because they're mm-hmm. going to be dry. Yeah. Right. So, so your whole focus, it seems like, is on <clears throat> having more pure food, not with a lot of preservatives, not a lot of junk. Everything you make, you're, you're kind of focused on. How did you get that way? What made you? I think that comes from just being a chef. You know, one of my favorite chefs, Marco Pierre White, he would say, like, his mentor would tell him, you know, God has already given us the perfect product. It's our jobs to not screw it up. Mm, that's you know, great. so so that so my flavors used to be very complicated when I was a younger chef. You know, the whole kitchen sink. You know, there would probably have been a time I, a taco would have had twenty components. You know, what I mean, now mm-hmm. three or four. You know, keep it simple, but but sourced from a good place, mm-hmm. yeah. and let the food speak for itself. Yeah, you know, that. you mm-hmm. get you can. They have some really good produce around here. I mean, I miss I miss California for the variety especially in the fruits, but we get some really good stuff here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, just being at the farmer's market, I've made friends with, the, you know, the Green Bear Farm and um, Talking Tree Farm and all those guys, and they do some really good stuff. And there's nothing like getting fresh fruit, fresh food that was just in the ground or on the tree and then cooking it a day later, and, and it just, mm. it's yeah. a thousand times better. Mm-hmm. That freshness. The and freshness, and it's it's still alive, you know, and it's, right. it's healthier. And then you just know how to spice it, and if your technique is right and you know how to cook it right, it's it's it's, it's next level. Right. <laughs> so what, simple. So what day what day are you out at, at the Pearl? It's once a week, right? It's Saturday. 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 Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. And from when to when? It's from, I believe, 9, to 1, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was doing both days, but with this heat... Uh, oh, it's rough out there. It's it's pretty rough out there. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody doesn't want to buy them and, and cook them themselves, there's a couple of restaurants they could go to and get your products. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
chefs, like I said, Chef Steve McHugh puts uh, some of my tortillas on at Land Race and at Cured uh, Gather Brewery. It's a nice brewery out in Live Oak. They do, um, they do really good tacos there. They do like a Korean spin on it. It was really good. It's like a Korean short rib taco. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, it's so good. And then the corn really, you know, people love them out there. Yeah. And then um, Davila's Barbecue. It's one of the oldest barbecues. They're out in Seguin, but now they have a food truck here at Bessemer. Okay. And they do a... Bessemer's on uh, Grayson. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They do a, a, a lamb barbacoa with the, with the blue corn. Oh, yeah, really good. And, and the style of Borrego, it's really good. Mm-hmm. At the food truck they do? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and I, and I think they're going to put on my chips because they love the colors and the taste, obviously, but they're going to do, I think. A couple uh, of big places use your chips, I think. Yeah, well, I sell to um, Riverwalk, Marriott. They they get um, they just opened up a taco concept in one of their – they're so huge. They have, like, the two hotels right across the street. But one of them is a, they're opening up, like, a taco shop in there. And uh, yeah, and uh, I, I just some, so many pieces. Chip, Mrs. Chickpeas, um, she uses our, our masa and uh, our pink tortillas. Um, they do, I think, arepas out there. So they they do good stuff. And your chips, is that through the same ancient heirlooms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, those are, these are things that I do at the farmer's market, and then people found out about them, and then now they want to do them on the wholesale So do you level. sell those on online as well, on your website? The I do, I do. We just added them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. So what is your website? It's uh, ancientheirloomgrains.com. Okay. Simple. It's just long. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet it's your name, so that makes it easy. Right. Yeah, yeah, so people yeah. won't forget. Yeah. Where, where do you see yourself a couple of years from now? What do you What do you want to be doing, or what do you want to be known as? Well, I just kind of, like I said, I'm kind of pulling out of the... Uh, the kitchen side, and I want to go towards manufacturing. And like I said, my next endeavor is I want to get my Mexican charcuterie off the ground. And I've already partnered up with my buddy um, Josh over at Rev. Uh, Josh Kirk. Josh uh, Kirk. Kirk mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, Rev, at the Red Bull Food Provisions, mm-hmm. and uh, he will be um, distributing them. And then he he has a cut room and a grind room and all kinds of stuff with all the HACCP plans ready in place. So mm-hmm. we'll be able to produce uh, our sausages and our terrines there. Have, have you, do you like terrines? Have you had you know what a terrine is? No, I don't. Or a pate? Uh. Uh-uh. Well, pâtés. I know what a pate yeah. is. Yeah. See, a lot of people they say they know what pate is, but they think pate, a true pate is basically a meatloaf. What people think pate is is they confuse that with like a truffle or yeah, like, a li- like a mousse or or, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. A, a, a which is a terrine. The squareness of it is the shape of it, you know. And they use like livers and they make a, a lot of butter. It's really good um, mousses and stuff like that. But it you can get even more technical with it when you do like roulades, where you take like say you take a turkey breast, you. You very carefully remove the skin of the turkey. You kind of like pull its shirt off and you scrape it and you put that aside and then you take the turkey breast and you pound it out and you make a big square and then you take all the dark meat of the turkey and then you put it in the food processor. You mix it with a little bit of cream, some Hmm. flour or a panade, which gives it stickiness. And then you kind of like brush that on there and then you can stud it with pistachios or you can do an inlay of like a duck breast inlay and then you wrap it up 
and then you wrap the skin around it, mm. <laughs> and then you wrap that in plastic a lot, a lot, and then you poach it, and then you cook it. Or you, some people now they sous vide it, which is a mm. lot better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't know how it's going to come out until after you, you wow. know, and then you have to let it set after it's hot. You have to know how to just be patient, put it in the fridge, wait a couple of days, let the flavors meld, you know, and then you always have to think when, when you season something that's meant to be cold, you have to really adjust the seasoning because cold mutes the palate, you know, coldness is, that's mm, why, interesting. Yeah. that's why people love cold domestic beer. Because it really doesn't taste very right. good, but it's cold. <laughs> it, so it, so it, it takes it, the taste away. <laughs> it takes the taste away. But also, too, you have to be more aggressive in the spice because it's also going to cut back. So what you think is hot, salty hot, when it cools down, it's going to lose a lot of that. So you have to know how to mess with your palate. And you have, so you, know, you serve it cold. So these are all cold productions. Yeah, and that's what I like about it, too, is because, you know. But wow. when people think of charcuterie, then now they think mostly prosciutto. Right, sliced prosciutto, sliced. Wow, syrup. that sounds. But there's, so these good. are a whole other old French techniques that you know are, are taking a whole pig, taking all the bones out, leaving the flesh, and rolling it back up. Or, like, if you've seen on my website, I do a a chorizo stuffed uh, trotter, which you know my buddy Joe from Swinehouse, he's a really he's another butcher. He'll he'll take the trotter, he'll take the whole bone out and leave the knuckle, leave the the hoof. So then you, you kind of like, it's open, then you stuff it and you close it, and then you cook it so it looks like it's a hole, but wow. then you can slice it. If you look at my website, wow. if you look at my, it's really good. It came out very good, and that's going to be one of the things that I put on my. So. Wow. The, the the whole turkey thing you were talking about, the whole, I'm just blown away. Yeah, that's <laughs> right really now, interesting. Like, uh, I don't know if wow. you know Lizette and, and Francisco from mm-hmm. NACO. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has something she's learned from her grandmother, who I think got it from her great-grandmother. She'll make a whole turkey deboned, and it, but it's still in the shape of a turkey. She just, you know. You have to, that's, that's a technique. Mm-hmm. To, to yes, go in very there, much so. It, it's, it's, it's a skill. It's, yes. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you have to have a very sharp knife and be very patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said now it's just like nothing, you know, because mm-hmm. it's been She's done, done it so many her, times. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. she, but she stuffs it with different meats and all kinds of different. So it, when it comes out and you slice it, it's just this layer mm-hmm. of, you know. Whole eggs. Yes, think, just all kinds mm-hmm. of things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, listening to Paul describe that, now you understand why I started uh. this podcast saying he's kind of a mad scientist. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's amazing. I love it. I'm so excited for people to hear this, um, you know, and and just kind of get an idea, uh, number one, of who you are, um, just from all of the different things that you've just described and talked about. It, it just shows who you are um, as, as a chef and just, uh, I'm so excited. I can't yeah, wait. I, I really, I, I'm really excited about it, you know, because I love, you know, working, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough, enough to like when I was living in, in New Orleans and I was working for John Bish and Alain Shaya at Dominica, I learned a lot. Of, uh, did you work at Luke? I worked at Luke here, but then I okay. went to because um, John Besh was has Luke in New Orleans, right? Is that him? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought and August and yeah. Dominica and the Roosevelt Hotel. So that's where I was working at, and this was like back in the you know about fifteen years ago, and charcuterie wasn't as popular it was as it is now. And then they had like a special little they had like a a cooler that they had just the beer and wine, but it had a false wall that opened up. And, it, and they were like curing back there because it was at wow. the time it was illegal. Because technically, you know, even though these are ancient things have been around for two thousand years, mm-hmm. the health department is like, no, you can't do that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Don't get me started yeah. on that. But 
It's like throwing a hog in the ground. You can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. But 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 people have been doing it for millennia. Right, right. But mm-hmm. but yeah. So but anyway, so I, I was like, you know, I learned so much from from you know working around those people and and so my food is like a a mixture of Cajun, French, Mexican, like Tex Mex and there is a difference. A lot of people don't know, but there's a big difference in between Tex Mex and Mexican. Hmm. And then also too just you know, Southern cooking. So that's what my cooking, like I do like a boudin that's a arroz con pollo boudin, which is basically, oh, cool. it's like a, the other boudin, like it's just like more, mm-hmm. there's maybe a lot more comino. And I, was just, I, was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, that means you had comino. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, it's, my food is fun like that. It's playful, you know, and uh, I take uh, all my influences of everywhere that I've been and wow. I kind of, well, I'm, I'm distilled glad making tortillas, but I, I'm I, I kind of wish you had a restaurant because I want to. I know to. I want to try everything you just talked. <laughs> well, I want to try it I'm, all. I'm, we're we're in the process. <laughs> we're in the process of, of of looking for a space, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I love this, and I, I'm so excited. I can, I'm I'm thrilled. Number one that. You know, first of all, we can find you out at the Pearl, but I'm also so excited that you, you know, also have an online presence where I've already been writing down, you know, I'm going to go and order some chips and I'm going to (laughs) go. So I'm just so excited about it. And then to be able to cook with this type of a product um, and use it in your in your home and and to create your dishes at home. I'm I'm just thrilled. I I have a feeling it's going to elevate things to a different level. Oh, definitely. What I -hmm. I love, too, about it is the educational aspect. Like I've just. Uh, Chef Tamez has invited me out to his school. He's he just was awarded one of the UNESCO ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like the first teacher to get awarded one, and, and it was so funny because he was my, even though he's younger than me, he was my instructor right. at at AI. Yeah, but he's really the one that really got me in back into uh, meat uh, with the charcuterie and stuff because uh, you know he made me do a, a report on uh, one. He didn't make me, but it was one of the assignments that said that. You know, we had to pick a chef, and then I randomly picked uh, Martin Picard, and that guy, is, he is like, it was must have been fate that I picked him because he was like exactly how I, f- how I felt, like glutton, like just everything, foie on everything, everything just so, you know, if you don't know who Martin Picard is, look, at, look for him. He's a, he's a crazy, he's a French-Canadian chef. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but to have... To teach these kids, you know, to go and teach on the on the on the level of high school that are really interested and they want to learn about the process of of Nixtamal, and we were out there and we were making uh, fresh tortillas and we were making uh, tetelas, which are like little raviolis made of masa, and uh, it was fun, you know, and I, I love that part of it. And now he's him and uh, Chef Rafael <clears throat> Gonzalez are together at Brackenridge. I feel sorry for all these other schools because they're going to win every damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are too good. I mean, they really are. I mean, wow. but you know what? It's going to elevate the scene. Yes, for, yes. Because, you know, you know, unfortunately, well, the the industry has changed a lot lately. and um, But it used to be like people that are chefs, we don't really want to be chefs. It's it, it's something that it, I think it's where we're hardwired for stress growing up and, and, and the chef business is just a, a, right. a segue into that. But, you know, there, unfortunately there are still a lot highest, highest suicide rates, um, wow. alcoholism rates. And, uh, but the culture is changing now. And then, you know, and like you see like these shows like the bear, which I think mm-hmm. is a very good yeah, show. It's a really good mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the way season two is just phenomenal. Yes. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About halfway through right mm-hmm. now. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think, People are shining the light on it, and you know I think 
it has to be sustainable. People are going to have to continue to eat. Yeah. Whether it's going to be, you know, us or robots in the future. Somebody, yeah. there's some, a human still going to have to be involved somehow. So. Well, and I think with a chef, you know, and like you said, it's such a high stress level. Um, but it, the reason I think for that is because when you're a true chef and an artist, you you are so, um, you know, it's so important to you what you're putting out there. I mean, you're putting your heart, you're putting your soul, you're putting, you know, and, and it's, yeah. And I, and I think that's why that's, that's the reason it's mm-hmm. so high stress because it's so important. I think that's yeah. one of the most amazing things, you know, that we've learned in talking to chefs across, you know, all across town. That's the thing, you know, is that there's so much passion. That's one of the things that I, I learned, I had to learn is that I used to be so upset if something didn't come out the way I want it. And then I had a, a, a mentor chef tell me, he's like, Paul, like, nobody knew the picture you're, you're, that you had in your head. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> These people love everything you're doing. Like, yeah. why are you doing Because we're so perfectionist mm-hmm. and we have such a standard. And then I'll, I'll say one really quick thing. I know we have to get going because uh, I, I can't believe it's already I know. the time. That, but um, we had we had a chef that invited us out to um, try some of his food, and um, it was a brand new dish that he was wanting to put out there. And so he came. He had invited us out to kind of taste and taste mm. some new concepts that he was putting together. And afterwards, we were chatting and laughing after we had eaten. It was amazing, just crazy good. And we were just laughing and talking. And he said, you know, he said, just so you know, he said, it took me a while to bring that dish out because I replated it seven times <laughs> before I brought it out here because it, he wanted it. That it was so important that it was so perfect. It was beautiful. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I understand. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, Chef Paul Morales, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, time has really flown. I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah really yeah. cool. Uh, if we want to have you back, will you come? Oh, definitely. Because definitely. next time I'll bring I feel tacos. Like there's some... Oh, okay, let's have that next <laughs> or week. Or charcuterie. <laughs> yeah, <right>. Or charcuterie <laughs> tacos, <Yeah>. right? Next <laughs> week. <laughs> We're going to change the format. You're our only guest from here on <laughs> Exactly. <You're right. laughs> no, that was amazing. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited. And for people listening at home, um, you know, get, get a hold of these, these tortillas. I have a feeling that you will be just pleasantly surprised and you know also for me it's so exciting to know that I'm eating something that is I don't know that that has all this history behind it yeah. you know it, it's yeah it changes really, it yeah you know it it's, it's almost just like this show this show is the more you know the better it tastes right. because you're supposed to know the chef and then you'll it it tastes different to you when you know <laughs> their story and now the same with the food when yeah, you exactly. know the story that's just a 3,000 year old process right the nixtamal process mm-hmm. and and uh it changes it all. It changes, it changes it. the you smell. You take that bite and it's like, taste. Yes. exactly, yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. All right. We had a great time. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, Susie. Well, we will be back again next week. Absolutely. And uh, we'll have another. Another amazing guest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or maybe two. <laughs> it just might be. All right. Well, thanks. And uh, again, Paul, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye, Susie. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Thank bye-bye. you. Bye-bye.